Hello, this is Fernando Cortez, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. And welcome in to another edition of Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo, joined today by Fernando Cortez, who played for the Royals during the 2007 season at the Major League level. Also logged the time in Omaha, both in 06 and 07. Fernando Cortez, who is part of a trivia question when it comes to Royals history. He and Joey Gathright were involved in the first player-for-player trade during Dayton Moore's tenure as GM. Back in 2006, when Moore sent J.P. Howell to Tampa in exchange for Gathright and Cortez, Cortez played all over the infield for the Royals, both at Omaha and KC, and he joins us now on Clubhouse Conversation. Fernando, welcome in, and how are things going out there in beautiful, sunny San Diego? Just um, coaching, doing some private instruction, camps, clinics, um, you know, soaking up the weather. <laughs> how nice is it out there, by the way? I've never actually been to San Diego. Um, I would say normally we're probably getting about 75 degrees with a light breeze every day. Um, so it's pretty good, but occasionally we'll catch a little hot spell. Um, the last week or so we've been about in the 90s, so it's just not as humid as, as, you know, the Midwest or back East. Yeah, well, that's probably for sure. Do you make it out to the Padres very much? Um, occasionally I'll go out there and, uh, catch a game if it's, uh, you know, I've got a couple friends that want to go. Um, I think the last one I went to was a couple months ago with uh, an old teammate of mine. He was in town, so we went and caught a game. Well, before we talk more about you and, and go back and stuff, I also wanted to offer you kind of condolences once again because I know that Tony Gwynn was kind of a friend of yours, and he passed away, obviously. Uh, talk about how you got to know uh, Tony and what kind of man he was. And Tony, um, well, thank you, first of all, for you know keeping, keeping that in mind. And, uh, you know, obviously we lost a great – um, baseball player, one of the greatest hitters of all time, um, but also for those you know people that don't know him, he was also uh, a great man. Um, him and I actually had the same agent, um, and I used to work out with his son and his uh, son-in-law uh, back in San Diego at San Diego State. Um, so I saw quite a bit of Tony for you know on and off for four or five years, and um, you know just great man to be around, and um, you know we had our hitting. Uh, routines going on every off season. Um, like I said before, we had the same agent, so that's actually how I was first introduced to him. Um, him and I were uh, sitting in the lobby waiting for our agent one day, and uh, he wasn't in the office yet, so we were just kind of sitting in the lobby. Obviously, I knew who he was, but he didn't know who I was, um, and I figured with that opportunity, I would ask him a couple questions about hitting. Um, and at that moment, he stood up and. He got off the couch that we were in the lobby, and he stood up, and he got into a batting stance, and he started showing me some stuff. And huh. I remember just what was going on in my head. I was sitting there going, this is Tony Gwynn. And he's showing me um, you know, how to hit without a bat, and he's just in a stance, and we're in a, in a lobby waiting for our agent right now. Um, so I thought it was pretty cool. And then after that, him and I talked a little bit that day, and he, he wanted me to come over to San Diego State and hit with um, his son and some other uh, professional players that would go out there and hit. Uh, during the off season. Huh. 
What's what's your favorite story that he ever told you? Anything funny stick out or anything really cool? Um, I don't know if he, he's told me quite a few stories, but um, there was I, I would say one of the stories that I heard it wasn't actually from him, but he did give um, validation on it. Uh, it was a couple times when he would let balls get so deep that it was almost as if he was hitting the ball out of the catcher's mitt. Um, and that was just something that, you know, as, as a hitter, you, you kind of ponder on it. Like, wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. And is that even possible? Um, but then, you know, talking to him about it and just the way he talked about hitting and baseball and, um, you know, he kind of validated that a little bit. So those are always some pretty cool stories that would stick out when we would have those hitting conversations. And the one I've heard is also, I believe, true, right? The one where he used the same bat a whole season, it never broke, and then he took it into the batting cage during spring training and, and cracked it right there. Yeah, I heard that one, too. I didn't actually speak to him about that one, but uh, I heard it quite a few times. So, I mean, with that guy, um, you know, the type of hitter that he was, um, type of player that he was, and the type of person that he was, I wouldn't put anything past him. Yeah. Well, another guy that you're also friends with and know is uh, current Omaha first baseman Matt Fields. How'd you, uh, how'd you and him meet? Well, Matt Fields and I, um, we met uh, 2009. I went back to Tampa um, and played double A, and he was there um, playing some first base, doing some DHing. Um, so the first time I think I met him was in the locker room, and then um, when we went down to take some batting practice, he was launching some monstrous home runs. <laughs> so I, I was like, well, this guy, this guy can hit. He's got some pop, got some power. Um, and then uh, – we would meet all the time in the cage and hit and, you know, work on some things. So we, we developed a pretty good relationship, a uh, pretty good friendship just for that year that I was there with him. Um, we still talk occasionally here and there uh, via Facebook. I actually spoke to him today um, a little bit and was just kind of wishing him luck and telling him to keep going, keep pushing. Um, as you know, you've, you've spoken with him uh, before and you know what kind of story he's got. And, you know, those are some really cool feel-good stories and, uh, you want guys like that to succeed and have the opportunity to make it to the big leagues because, you know, he's busting his tail and, you know, that's what you want to see guys like that succeed. Yeah, talk about a Hollywood story waiting to be written if he can make it up there, right? Yeah, and he's doing well. I I, I think I just looked uh, a couple hours ago. Did he hit two home runs today? Yeah, I think he's up to like 15 now. He's, he's doing pretty well down there. Yeah, I looked this morning before I was um, before I actually chatted with him. And it said he had 12, and then when I was reading the article, it said he had 15. So I don't know if he had two or three. <laughs> he might have hit three, but um, I know the article said two, so maybe it just didn't update. But I know he's uh, one of the top leaders on that team right now, um, you know, hitting home runs. And, you know, hopefully he gets his shot. It would be awesome to see a guy like that get that opportunity to get up there and, uh, you know, experience his dream. Absolutely. Well, let's go back uh, and start early on in your baseball career. You ready for a trip down memory lane? All right, well, you attended Helix Charter High School then in La Mesa, California, but even before that, was baseball always your first love growing up? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I'd say it was my first love. Um, I did play multiple sports, so I had a passion for football, um, basketball as well, also ran some track. Um, so I think just the competitive nature and just being around my friends playing different uh, sports, um, that always drove me. I always had a passion for that. Um, but I would say if you were to ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, it was always a, a major league baseball player. So that was the number one for me. Who was your team growing up then and then your favorite player? My team growing up um, was the Atlanta Braves, uh, simply because, well, we had three different channels that provided baseball teams. 
Um, we had the local San Diego Padre channel, which they were my second favorite team. Um, I just kind of wanted to branch off and like somebody else other than everyone, you know, liking San Diego, being from San Diego. Although I pulled for them, you know, I obviously watched Tony Gwynn and guys like that. Um, but it was either the Braves or the Cubs because you had WGN or you had TM, TMT. And I just was drawn to the Braves. I was drawn to, you know, guys like Fred McGriff and David Justice and, um, you know, Jeff Blauser, the, the whole 90s Atlanta Braves. Um, and then just following them, once Chipper Jones came in, he became my favorite player. He played shortstop coming out of high school. When he first got drafted, I was a shortstop. Um, he was a switch hitter. I only hit left-handed, but I tried to mimic his swing left-handed. Um, and no one really heard about him. So I wanted to have a player that was good no one really heard about. And um, I thought he would be pretty good. And turns out he was a Hall of Famer. <laughs> you got that one, well, right? going to be. Yeah. Uh, so while you were in high school, then think back. So would you have, you know, if somebody told you you'd play in the major league someday, would you have believed them? You know, that's a that's a tough question because um, I was always one of the smaller guys in high school. I was I was gifted, and when it came to athleticism, I was able to play multiple sports and you know succeed at those levels. Um, but I wasn't very big. I wasn't very strong. Um, you know, so I didn't really understand how I was going to come into my body. Um, just being a small, fast kind of, kind of guy, gritty kind of guy. Um, but deep down inside, I just, for some reason, I knew myself. I knew that um, I had this passion so strong that I didn't see myself doing anything other than playing baseball. So um, if someone were to say that, I would say maybe the odds are stacked against me. Uh, but at the same time, I just had this gut feeling that that's what I was going to do. Well, you went to Grossmont Junior College there in uh, El Cajun, California. The Rays took you in the ninth round of the 0-1 draft after Craig mm-hmm. Weissman put in a good word for you. So was uh, was Tampa the team that you pretty much expected to take you, or were they kind of a surprise? Uh, they were one of the teams that I expected uh, to be in the hunt in the race. Um, I worked out with them probably about two or three different times. Um, same thing with the Diamondbacks and the San Diego Padres. So, in reality, I actually wanted to go to the Padres simply because if I was going to get drafted, I want to get drafted by my hometown team. Um, so when Tampa selected me, um, I wasn't so surprised because we did have a lot of talks uh, prior to the draft. Um, but I was just kind of had my fingers crossed. And to be honest, I was, I was hoping it was San Diego. Huh. What do you remember about uh, draft day? Where were you at and uh, who was around, all that good stuff? Um, it was just me. and I was at my house. Um, I was by myself. And uh, I remember just the phone ringing. It was it was going off quite a bit prior to me being selected. I was talking to my agent at the time, who was at that time he was my advisor. Um, so we were just kind of feeling things out, seeing how things were going. Um, and I think I left the house for a little bit, came back. It was a real nonchalant day. Didn't have anybody with me. Um, and I got the phone call, and they told me that I got drafted. And back then it wasn't televised. Um, I think they may have had it on the internet a little bit, like the first couple rounds. But once I got that phone call and they told me it was Tampa Bay, I think everything kind of set in, the reality set in. I said to myself, okay, well, I'm in junior college baseball right now, and now they're talking about you're about to get ready to leave. So it was just kind of uh, I had mixed emotions. I was very excited. Um, but at the same time, I, I did have some nerves. Um, and I was just kind of, you know, in a position to where I was, you know, curious about what was about to happen well it was the ninth round about where you thought you might go yeah um 
all the talks that we had with uh, different teams, um, they were projecting me as a top 10 rounder. Um, it was my sophomore year, so I also was debating on whether or not I wanted to go um, transfer from a JC to a Division One. I. I had a couple schools um, that were I narrowed it down to, uh, University of Miami and University of Southern California. And they knew that I possibly may have uh, went to one of the uh, Division One schools, um, but they also knew that I was interested in, in signing professionally. So things were kind of up in the air, and you know we had back-and-forth conversations about top ten rounds. And, um, I was 19 at the time, so I just remember saying to myself, I just want to get into professional baseball as fast as I can and try to get to the big leagues as fast as I can. So cool. Well, so you signed with Tampa then. And then you became yeah. pretty good friends shortly after, right, with Joey Gathright. How did you guys first meet? Uh, Joey and I met um, I, my first year when I got drafted. I went to short season, um, which was 2001. But right after that, uh, a bunch of the different players went to the instructional league. Um, and that's actually where I met Joey. Um, met him in instructional league. Uh, him and I became pretty good friends. We probably had maybe myself, him, um, a couple other players got real close. We'd always hang out, play video games, you know, go to the mall afterwards, go grab some food after practice or something. Um, but we hit it off pretty quick. And uh, him being left-handed, me being left-handed, uh, top of the order kind of guy, um, we we try to help each other out in any way, shape, or form. And one of the things I was trying to uh, get from him was I was trying to ask him how fast can I get can you help me? <laughs> but there was, no one was ever going to get as fast as Joey. So. Um, but we met very shortly after both of us got drafted. We got drafted the same year. Um, so instructionally, when him and I first uh, made contact. And weren't you the guy that uh, videotaped the, the first famous car jump? Wasn't that you? Yep, that was me. Um, we were in St. Petersburg, Florida, at uh, one of the hotels. I believe it was the Hyatt. And he was my roommate at the time. And uh, we were just sitting there bored one night. Um, we didn't know what we wanted to do. And I I had this bright idea because I heard that he could jump cars. I never seen him jump a car, but I heard heard that he had jumped it from, you know, the, all the stories and, you know, the mythical um, legend that he was. So I just decided, uh, I said, well, let's go jump cars. And he looked at me with a straight face and he said, okay. And back then I was walking around all the time when I first got drafted, I purchased one of the handheld uh, video cameras. Um, you know, I wanted to videotape everything that I was experiencing. So I took the camera, went outside, went to the parking lot, and um, probably wasn't smart at the time. <laughs> yeah. Just getting drafted, being in the instructional league, and you got some, you know, some prospects out in the in the parking lot jumping over cars. <laughs> so we just decided, and uh, we walked down there, and he was serious about it. So I said, well, if he's serious about it, I'm going to videotape it. And uh, sure enough, he, he jumped over two different cars, and this was, Mitsubishi Galant and uh, a BMW. Whose cars were they? Just randomly parked out there? Um, the Miss, the the Galant. I have no idea whose car that was, but the BMW was a teammate of ours. Um, we had actually drafted um, the year before Joey and I. We drafted twin brothers, both left-handed pitchers, Jason and Nathan Cromer. Huh. Um, it was one of theirs. It was either Nathan's or Jason's. I'm not sure who drew the BMW, <laughs> but I remember it had a Iowa plates on it, and it was. Uh, it was one of their cars. <laughs> That's great. Did you guys get in trouble at all from the organization after that ever? You know, nobody ever really knew about it. Until later? Um, until later on. That that video, um, I didn't get rid of that video. It was in my hands and my possession for six years. 
And then that YouTube was, came around. You, you just thought YouTube was time yeah. to, to unveil it. Yeah. Well, I didn't honestly. I, I wanted to keep it because um, Joey at the time when we were coming up together, and he went up to the big leagues with Tampa, and, and I went up with Tampa. He was with, uh, you know, he, he had a contract with Mizuno. I had a contract with Nike, and I wanted to hold on to it for whatever company or anything that ever, um, you know, he was under contract with. So I thought it would be a pretty cool commercial. Huh. I, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, can you imagine, you know, having Joey jump over the car and it's one of the Mizuno commercials. I mean, I'm not a marketing or advertising kind of guy, but I'm pretty sure they could have put a pretty good spin on it. <laughs> um, so I wanted to hold on to it, but he begged me for six years to see the video. <laughs> and I remember one day we were, it was 2007, and we were both in Kansas City, and uh, it was spring training, big league camp. And he kept begging. He's like, I want to, I want to see it. I want to see it. And I, I kept telling him no for six years. And then he goes, come on, man. He goes, it's a video of me. He goes, I want to see it. My friends want to see it. I'm like, all right, all right, you're right. Okay, it is you. Okay, so I, I released it to him, made a copy and gave it to him. <laughs> That's classic. I love mm-hmm. it. Well, okay, so you played parts of six seasons in the minor leagues for the Rays, but I wanted to ask you about a couple of those years in particular. So first of all, uh, you tie for the lead in the Rays organization in 02. You had 37 stolen bases. That was also your career high. Uh, so what was it like playing in uh, beautiful Charleston, South Carolina, and with all the Southern Bells down there? <laughs> Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I call that, a um, being from San Diego, I call that a Southern San Diego. Yeah. Um, it, has, it has the beach. It has um, some lakes and some rivers. The only thing is the humidity. Um, there was an area out there right by the stadium. It was called California Dream, and it was this huge restaurant that sold, you know, seafood. Pretty good restaurant. Had a huge bridge. It just reminded me of San Diego a lot, um, and I felt at home. Um, I do like to fish as well, so I had a great time going out there fishing. Um, it, it being my first full season uh, of baseball, I had a great time out there. Baseball, fishing, um, you know, I was very blessed to be able to play in Charleston and uh, play with some good players. Beautiful town. Love that town. Uh, mm-hmm. So then in 03, you stole 32. Then with Bakersfield, that was third most on the Rays organization. Then 04, you got named the Montgomery Biscuits Player of the Year. You were named uh, the best defensive infielder in the Rays organization as well. So then after that 2004 season, how confident were you about your future at that point? Um, I was pretty confident. I would actually say I was confident even before that. Uh, prior to that, I, I played with the chip on my shoulder. Um, I was very confident in my ability um, to play the game. Obviously, I didn't know, you know, what was going to happen because I didn't make those decisions. I had no control over that. Um, but as I got up to 2005 in, in, in that area, um, I started to rely more on um, just letting things happen. Um, I, I remember um, I, I, I told God I made a I made a promise to him that um, I would allow him to just do whatever he wanted to do with me. Um, whether he wanted me to succeed, if you, I remember having, you know, thoughts and talks with him, and just saying, "I don't care if I go for five or five for five, as long as I try my hardest and, you know, glorify you, then that's all that matters." And um, it was one of those times when I just let, um, you know, him take control, and you know, obviously bless me with some ability. And I said, "Well, I'm just going to do what I do, and you know, let the chips fall where they may." So, uh, you know, having that confidence in him more so than myself. Um, I think that helped me out, uh, especially in that time when you know things were starting to come together and um, there was a lot more pressure getting to the higher levels. It seems like a lot of guys I talk to, uh, like that are in the minor leagues, say that they had a you know a, 
they had a desire at one point to almost walk away, or they almost quit, and then they didn't, and they made it. Now, you had pretty good success, so you probably were never close to that, right? But did you ever have any thoughts about walking away in the minor leagues? Um, no, I don't think I, I ever did. Um, I know one thing I, I didn't want to do was I didn't want to play, um, you know, till I was 40, 40 years old if I was in the minor leagues. Um, I love the game. You know, I have a passion for the game, but um, I also enjoy life. Um, you know, and I want uh, to be able to know that my identity didn't really lie in baseball. Um, so I always just um, wanted to just play as long as I could. Um, and, and, you know, whenever that time came for me to walk away, then, you know, I'd be okay with walking away at the time. And don't get me wrong, I missed the game. I still love it. I watch TV. I'm like, man, I wish I could still do that. Um, but at the same time, I was very content with what I did. Um, but I don't think any time during the minor leagues I ever said to myself, um, I want to quit um, simply because I didn't love the game. There was a time when I was in AAA in 06 that I wanted to quit just because I was terrible. <laughs> um, I think maybe every player has gone through that every once, once in a while, but uh, I wasn't hitting very well. I was, um, it was 2006. I got traded over to Kansas City um, when I was in AAA at Omaha. I remember Mike Sweeney was down on rehab, um, and I was coming out to a third-day song, and he came up to me after the game, and he was like, man, I really like that song. I'm friends with that group. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And him and I had a good conversation in the training room one day. Um, and he knew I was down. I wouldn't hit very well, but I was really hard on myself. Um, but him and I had a good talk. And uh, I would say that was probably the closest uh, for me to ever think I ever wanted to walk away. And it's strictly because I was terrible for a very long stretch. <laughs> It, it's amazing how many guys I talk to and how often he comes up just randomly in stories like that. What a great guy he is, huh? Oh, yeah, he's a great guy. He's one of the best uh, class act and um, just definitely blessed to be around that guy for the short amount of time that I was. And I mean, I'm pretty sure no one, no one can ever say anything bad about him. No, no. So so let's go back one year then. So 05, you spent July in Tampa, uh, but you hit 333 at Montgomery uh, in between that, and then you got promoted to Durham for 58 games. So before we talk about Tampa, uh, tell us that story when you first got the call to the big leagues. Where were you at, and uh, how did you find out that you were going up that first time? Um, I was in Durham. We were in, at home, uh, AAA Durham. That um, was July third, two 2005. So I actually struck out to end the game looking. Um, I went 0 for 5, I think, with three strikeouts. And I walked into the clubhouse, and then my uh, my manager said, I, uh, Cortez, I need to talk to you. So I'm going to his, to his office, and I'm thinking, great. I just had a terrible game, 0 for 5, three strikeouts. But at the time, I was hitting pretty good. Um, but, you know, having that rough of a game, I, did, I had no idea what he was going to say. He called me in the office, and I remember uh, Bill Evers telling me, he said, um, how could you, How dare you strike out looking to end the game? And uh, I remember looking at him and saying, didn't you see where the pitch was? I'm like, it was a terrible call, and everybody knew. It was actually a really bad call. Um, and, he, and I thought he was on my side, and he knew about it, and he looked at it because he actually went out there to argue it a little bit um, right after the game was over. And then I was kind of confused because I didn't know why he was now bringing the blame on me, saying, how dare I do that? <laughs> so I was obviously confused sitting in his chair. And then he looks at me and he says, you know what? It doesn't matter. He's like, you're going to Chicago tomorrow. And I looked at him and I had no idea what he was meaning because I thought I was getting traded or something. And uh, he goes, 
no, you're going to the big leagues tomorrow. They're in Chicago, and you got to meet the team there. And I looked at him. I said, well, are you joking? And he's like, no. He slides over the itinerary. He said, you got to fly in the morning. you got to be there. And I was just, you know, obviously shocked. Um, was excited. Uh, he said, congratulations. I went in, took my stuff, and um, I was on my way. So the next day I flew into Chicago, U.S. Cellular Field, um, 05, and it was on July 4th. So uh, my first day in the big leagues was July 4th, and there was about 55,000 people. And I think it was the best 4th of July I ever had. Yeah, I bet uh, you didn't sleep too much that night either, did you, before? Oh, no, not at all. I had, I, I had no idea what, what was going on. I couldn't sleep. I was calling my mom, who was actually just in Durham a few days before that. Her, her and my grandmother flew back home to San Diego, and you know, I called her that night when I got called up, and, yeah, I was, I was all over the place. And Joey just had left, went to the big leagues probably about a week before that. Huh. So I called him and I said, "Hey man, I'm coming." That's so cool. Well, so what were your thoughts then headed into uh, that off season going into 2006, and then how hungry were you to obviously get that taste back in the big leagues again? Um, I was I was pretty hungry um, when I went up to the big leagues. I had a little short stint there. I was able to uh, see what it was like up there. Um, I went home uh, in the off season. I trained hard. Like I said, I used to train with Tony and. Uh, Big Tony, Little Tony. Um, we had all kinds of professional guys out there. Jimmy Rollins used to come out and hit. Javi Lopez, Mark Kotze, Damian Jackson. We had just a, wow. a great group of guys that would come out and just hit. And we were all focused, um, you know, on one thing, and it's just, just getting better at baseball. And, you know, I went out there. I worked out, busted my tail lifting and running and hitting. Um, so, I mean, I, I was taking it pretty serious. I got a phone call from Tampa that I got designated. So I was off the 40 men, but I was getting invited to big league camp. So I went to big league camp. Um, and that's actually when Joe Madden came in. Uh, Lou Pinello was my manager prior to that. Then Joe Madden came in. So it was just kind of like trying to put yourself in a position to um, show the new head coach, the new manager, that uh, what you can do all over again. So it was kind of tough because um, I felt like Lou saw a lot of me that he liked. Um, and there was things that I needed to now do again and make sure that the new regime that's coming in could see what I could do. Um, so I was still hungry. Um, I had a good opportunity to go back to, to Durham in 06 and um, you know play there. Well, yeah, you were 60 games into that 06 season, and then uh, Dayton Moore made his first trade, player-wise at least, was J.P. Howell for you and Joey Gathright. Uh, so before we talk about that, the day you found out, Joey Gathright told me then that you correctly predicted this trade was going to happen. Is that accurate? Yes, that is 100% accurate. Not <laughs> in the sense of we knew who was going to be involved in the trade on the other end. Um, but Joey and I, uh, like I said before, us coming up together, we were roommates um, all the time on the road. Um, when we played in high A, double A, he was a leadoff hitter. I was a two-hitter, so... Um, we would stay up late at night and try to figure ways out. I was going to let him steal or if I was going to bunt or, you know, certain things that we would, you know, go through on a daily basis. And I remember telling him quite a few different times um, certain things. And one of them was I told him, you know, we're going to get traded together in the same trade and um, I won't be on the back end of it. And he just thought I was crazy. And sure enough, it, it happened. Well, how did you know that? I mean, were you just th- throwing stuff out or did you honestly believe that? I, 
I don't know. I, I guess I believed it. Um, I know as crazy as that sounds, but I, I can't predict the future. And I remember when I got to uh, to Kansas City, um, when I first went up with them, they wrote a story about me having psychic powers or something. But I don't have psychic powers by any means. Let me tell you, if I did, I'd be at the local convenience store getting lotto tickets. Right. Um, but I, I just felt like him and I, I felt like him and I were going to be together for a long time. Um, and just the way things were transpiring in Tampa with all the prospects that we had, um, I just felt like there would be an opportunity for him and I to go somewhere else, but we would go together. And um, I might have said that to him quite a few different times. And uh, when it happened, I remember him looking at me like, like I was from another planet. <laughs> but it was pretty cool. Now, didn't you also predict some other things that happened during your baseball career? Do I remember hearing that? Is that true? Yeah. Um, so the time uh, when I first got called up to the big leagues with uh, Tampa, he got called up um, a week before that. And when he was getting called up, because he was my roommate, um, I told him, I said, okay, well, I'll see you in a week. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I'm getting called up in a week, so I'll be there in a week, and we'll, we can room in. And sure enough, I got called up a week after him. <laughs> That's when we were at Tampa. And then when we were at Kansas City, this is after the trade, he got called up. He was in AAA a little bit with me. And I told him the same thing, I'll be up in about a week. And he said, okay. And then I called him the day that um, they told me I was going up. And I said, hey, I'll see you today. He didn't know what was going on. I said, I'm coming up to the big leagues today, and you want to grab lunch? <laughs> so about three different times I um, predicted that with him. This guy must think you're something else, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's he, uh, he probably scared of me. <laughs> yeah, right? So you mentioned 2006 earlier, so you weren't real thrilled with how you ended then in Omaha. You appeared in 67 games. And then you went to the uh, Arizona Fall League for the Grand Canyon Rafters after that year. So how did you like your first uh, few months in the Royals organization? Um, when I first got, well, obviously it was a change because I was in Durham. Um, and then immediately I was going straight to uh, to Iowa because they were on the road. So I had to drive, get my truck and drive from Durham, North Carolina to Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> so just the whole, you know, the travel process, getting in the car, them telling you you have a certain amount of time to get there and you got to pack up everything. Um, I don't think I really had time to really think about what was happening other than I better get there at the time they told me. Um, when I got there, though, and I met some, some uh, really uh, cool guys and some, some great people um, when I was playing there in Omaha. Um, so it was kind of hard because uh, the second half of the season, I was just more, um, I was trying to adjust to the league, uh, the PCL versus the International League, uh, adjust to the new teammates and, you know, different living situation. Um, so it was just overall a tough year for me in 2006. Uh, I dealt with a lot of adversity. Um, but at the end of the year, I remember Dayton coming up to me and, and telling me, um, you know, everything's all right. You know, we, we traded for you for a reason. Um, you know, we like you. We understand that, um, you know, you had a rough year, but we know what you can do. Um, and that's when they gave me the opportunity, um, the option if I wanted to go to the Arizona Fall League. Um, and they knew that I was going to play in Puerto Rico, play winter ball. So I just wanted to play as much baseball as I possibly could. Um, and that's one thing that I'll always be grateful for, uh, the fact that they believed in me even after uh, the 2006 season. Um, you know, they stuck with me. And, uh, you know, very grateful for that. Which uh, Omaha teammates did you kind of hit it off with off the bat right away when you got there? When I got there, um, Shane Costa uh, was a good friend of mine, uh, Mike Avilas, 
uh, Mitch Meyer, um, Andres Blanco, uh, certain players like that. Uh, then, you know, that Mike Coolball, that was my first year, 2006. So Mike Coolball, Kerry Robinson, uh, guys like that. Um, had some pretty uh, close relationships with a lot of those guys. I still talk to Kerry Robinson to this day. Um, he's uh, one of my uh, fantasy football gurus. So <laughs> him and I, we talk a lot about that. And uh, um, yeah, so I had some pretty good relationships. Um, there was a couple guys that I used to play with in Tampa. Uh, Jace Brewer, he came over to Omaha, so had the opportunity to play with him there. Um, so yeah, there's some pretty neat guys there. You mentioned a name in there I wanted to ask you about, uh, Mike Coolball. Did you read that book about his life, by the way, that was written? I think it was called Heart of the Game, I think was the name of it. No, I have not read that book. Oh, it's fantastic. You'll love it. It's got a, a strong religious you know, connection to it, too. I think you'd like it a lot. Talk, talk about uh, Mike Coolball, what kind of guy he was. Mike Coolball, he was, uh, he was a good man. Um, he was one of those guys that hit myself, him, Kerry Robinson, um, we would just rag on each other every single day about football. Who was the best running back? Who was the best quarterback? Because at that time, Reggie Bush was coming out. Um, if he was going to be the number one pick or not. And Reggie Bush went to the same high school as me, so obviously I was very biased at him being the best football player in the nation. Um, and he would just give me – he would rag on me all the time. and He would tell me I didn't know nothing. But, I mean, it was just all in, in love. Um, that guy was a big man but a teddy bear. Um, I would always see him coming home from, from road trips in his family's area, his two sons. They would come up, give him hugs. Um, you know, just an awesome dude, a genuine guy. Um, he could hit. Um, you know, the, the, the unfortunate thing about Mike is, uh, you know, the ball always found him. Um, you know, when he was, hit, you know, in the batter's box, he was getting drilled by pitches, and, you know, he's had that bad luck, and, you know, obviously you know what happened. Um, and that was a tough time for us, uh, seeing Mike and his family go through that. Well, didn't yeah? When he was with the Royals, didn't he also? He was about to make that team, and he got broke his wrist or something from a, in spring training. Isn't that what happened? Yeah, he broke his wrist. I got hit by a pitch, um, and I don't even know if that was the first time. It might have been a couple. He might have done that a couple times. Um, Jeez. Yeah, he he was plagued, uh, you know, with, with a lot of injuries. But he was a good baseball guy. Um, he could hit. He was a great teammate. Uh, you know, awesome father, awesome friend, um, you know, and we lost a good guy. So you began 2007 then with Omaha, then you got that call in June to KC like we talked about earlier. So that second call to the big leagues, where were you at when you got it, and what do you remember about that one? I was in my hotel room um, with my roommate Mitch Meyer, um, and Jersh uh, called me uh, at, on the hotel phone. Uh, night before, I, I had a pretty good game. I went five for five with, um, I think it was like two doubles, three singles or something. And the next day, next morning, I get the phone call. Jersh says, hey, um, you're going up to the big leagues. You need to get to Kansas City um, ASAP. So I said, okay, and uh, started getting ready. Obviously, I was on the road, so I didn't have a car. Um, and we went to book a flight to Kansas City from Omaha, or excuse me, from Iowa. And for some reason, we couldn't get a flight that was going to make it game time. Um, so I had to rent, uh, get a rent a car at the airport. So I ended up showing up. I think it was like in some 
Geo Metro hatchback or something. <laughs> but it was the only car that they had available at the time, and I had to take it because I had to get on the road. So I drove two hours. I think it was two hours from Iowa to Kansas City, and <laughs> I remember rolling up to the uh, to the gate, and the security guard was looking at me like, you can't come in here. He's like, you're, you're not allowed in here. This is the player's parking lot. And I remember just telling him, I'm a player, I'm a player. And um, it was a little debacle for a couple minutes. They didn't believe me. I don't know if it was the car, but um, <laughs> I remember I remember getting up there, and uh, I think one of the security guards had to come out, and I told him who I was, and another front office person came or something. They're like, no, he's a player. He's, he's coming in. So they let me in, and I parked. I think I parked like next to Day Jesus' Range Rover or something. <laughs> the Geo, I bet that's the only time a Geo Metro has ever graced the parking lot at the K and the players' lot, man. Well, it was funny because, I mean, you know, you, you're, you're thinking to yourself, you're like, man, you're in the big leagues and you're driving this right inside right now, and and you know the company that I'm with is Range Rover, Mercedes, and BMW, and all this and all that, and I remember just, I told, I, I went in there and David DeJesus and I were. Uh, pretty good friends at the time because we met in a big camp 07 and i remember telling him i said hey um when we drop this thing off can i ride with you to the park tomorrow because i can't do i can't drive in this thing up here like everyone's making fun of me can't do that <laughs> that's so great. my car pulled after that that's great well you were uh, you appeared in eight games with the royals and you went four for 14 did pretty well you scored three runs you had an rbi so let's go th- uh, through a few memorable moments from your time here on june 16th you got your first start of the year at the k against the marlins and uh, you went two for three with a run do you remember that night pretty well yes i do i remember that night pretty well i remember getting to the ballpark um and i remember buddy bill telling me that i was going to get a start pretty soon um and I said, okay. And obviously, you know, as a young player, you're looking at the lineup card every day, and you're like, I wonder if I'm going to play. Um, and I remember getting there. I used to get there real early, go work out, um, just kind of get my mind right when I get to the stadium. And I remember seeing the lineup card, and he had me in the two hole um, playing second base. So I immediately grabbed my phone and went out in the hallway, and I called my uh, my mom and uh, my friends, and I said, I'm playing tonight. Get, like turn on the TV. I think they had like the MLB package or something. So. From what I hear, I had a bunch of friends back home sitting in the living room, you know, yelling at the TV, cheering me on. Um, so that was that was the first uh, thing I remember about that. And then I remember getting in the game, uh, first at bat, uh, I believe it was a base hit to left field. Next at bat was a base hit to right field. Um, I think Sweeney drove me in my first after my first single. It was like a double down the left field line. So, oh, just exciting. I mean, those are memories that I'm gonna take with me and. You know, cherish forever. Well, then June nineteenth and June twentieth of 07, you got to appear in the I seventy series. I still remember you taking out some shortstop on a hard slide for some reason, but you also hit uh, a big league double that night uh, in four plate appearances. So, what are your favorite memories of that? You know, that I seventy series. Just, I, mean, I think just rolling out on the field and, and being a part of um, that series. You know, you're playing against Cardinals at the time. They had Albert Pujols, uh, was you know, obviously one of the best hitters in the game at the time. Um, so just being on the same field with guys like that, um, getting an opportunity to play at the highest level um, in front of you know the amount of fans that were there, that kind of atmosphere, um, just a great opportunity, fun times, um, hitting that double down the left field line, uh, cruising into second base is, I mean, it's everything that I you know I dreamt of as a young child. Um, to see it actually happening and unfolding in front of my eyes is. Um, I don't think words can really explain it. Um, 
but definitely something I'll never forget. Did your uh, mom ever get to come see you play in the big leagues? Um, in the big leagues, no. She uh. never had an opportunity to see me in the big leagues. Um, she, you know, big league spring training games and things like that. But um, unfortunately, I wasn't up long enough. <laughs> well, so another to give her that opportunity. Yeah. Well, another cool story is that uh, I think maybe a day or two after that St. Louis series, you guys went to Milwaukee, and then uh, you got in the game up there too. By the way. And then you have a, a pretty cool Alex Gordon and Shane Costa fishing story, right? Yeah. We uh we got up there. Um we left on a on a travel day. Uh, the ne- and the next day we actually had an off day. So um Alex and I and, and Shane Costa we decided we want to take a fishing trip. So we chartered a boat, um I'm not sure what is it Lake Michigan out there? It could be. I think <laughs> we'll go with it. <laughs> I think it was Lake Michigan. I don't know. All I know is to me it was an ocean. Yeah, right. Um, because it was one of the biggest lakes I've ever been on in my life. I remember getting to the point where I was almost like seasick, which is weird because it wasn't the sea, <laughs> but it was a huge lake. And uh, we went salmon fishing. Um, we went out there, had a good time. Uh, myself, Shane, Alex were just catching a bunch of salmon. And towards the end, uh, we wanted to fillet them and take them with us. So uh, we had them, um, the deckhands, fillet the stuff, give us. You know, three we had three different bags, and I'm talking we had a lot of salmon. Um, so we took it back, and we didn't know what to do with it. We have a bunch of salmon now. We're going to the hotel, and we wanted to eat it. So uh, we figured, I think it might have been my idea to kind of go down there and say, oh, let's see if the chefs will cook it for us. So we snuck down into the kitchen. For some reason, the hotel we were at was like underneath, um, like ground or something. So we we go downstairs and we find the chef. We talk to him, and at first they were not real adamant <laughs> they didn't really want to do it um but then we offered them since we had so much salmon we said we'll give you a couple bags you guys can take it fresh we just caught it um so they agreed to that it was a pretty good pretty good trade um and then just decided to cook up our meals and they asked us what we wanted with it i remember you know just saying broccoli with cheese on it and um you know potatoes so they made us you know full course meals <laughs> and um i remember going back to Alex's room, me, Shane, and Alex sitting there, and they knocked on the door, and they just rolled in a feast of salmon. It was awesome. I remember just sitting there going, I looked at these guys, I'm like, did we just do this? Did we really just go downstairs and, you know, convince the chefs to cook the fish that we just caught? I don't think, I don't know if they were allowed to do it. I don't know the protocol on that, but um, it's always going to be a pretty good story. Yeah, that's great. Well, you went out on top two in the major league, so you singled and drove in a run in your final major league at bat uh, at Kauffman Stadium against Seattle on July third. So July third's a pretty important day in your history. It sounds like here. So do you do you remember that uh, that at bat pretty well? Yes, I do. I don't know his name, but I know he was left-handed and he threw really hard. It was the bases were loaded. Um, it might have even been a broken bat single. <laughs> I just know it went past the first baseman, and I was not going to let the second baseman throw me out. Uh, so I was on my horse, but um, thank you for bringing that to my attention. That actually makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> Enough that I went out on top. <laughs> he did, dude. You had I to. Didn't... You had to hang him yeah. up after that, right? I mean, you did what you had to do. Yeah, I I didn't even know that was my last one. Um, oh, I, I, now that I remember, yeah, it was All Star break. Uh, I went back home for All Star break, um, and that's when I got designated, uh, sent back to Omaha. So yeah, I guess you're right. I did go out on top. I'll take that. It was Ryan Roland Smith is who you faced, by the way. Mm. Who I think might still be in the big leagues, I think. Does he, does he wear glasses? Uh, I don't know. 
what? Yeah, I think yeah, I think he did. Yeah, I think he did. Okay, yeah, I remember him. I knew he threw hard uh, at the time. So, were you kind of surprised that you didn't get a call back to KC that September in, of '07? Yeah, at the time I was. Um, I was, you know, I had a pretty good year in '07, uh, even in AAA. Um, I thought I would probably, you know, get an opportunity to go back up and have a September call up. I never had one, so um, I thought maybe since I was with the team early on in the year, uh, I did well in big league camp that year in 07. Um, I hit pretty well, so I figured they've seen enough to where possibly they could get me some more at bat. Um, but, you know, obviously that's not the way it went. Uh, and then the offseason came, and, you know, we, we talked a little bit, had a little bit of negotiations, and um, I just kind of at that time felt I needed to maybe explore my options and go to another team and see. Um, you know, what, what they could do for me. One other Royals question I forgot to ask you about earlier was when you went to spring training, didn't you have a cool George Brett encounter and story? Yeah, George Brett, um, I think it was the first time I met him, he was actually throwing BP um, to our group. And um, I just had came from, you know, playing the whole 06 season. And then right after the 06 season, I went to the Arizona Fall League, played in the championship game, and then um, – went home for one day, washed my clothes, and then went to Puerto Rico and played the full season Puerto Rico. So by the time I got to spring training, the big league camp, I was pretty much in um, you know, mid-season form, to say the least. So it, was, it wasn't like the typical player who's been hitting in the offseason and just trying to get adjusted when they first get to spring training. I was already there playing baseball the whole year. Um, so I came in and I was you know hitting some line drives um, all over the field and He's throwing to me, and I remember him just stopping and staring at me. And he wouldn't throw the ball, so it was kind of an awkward moment because I was just looking at him, and he's looking at me, and everyone's looking at George. Everyone's looking at me, and they're like, how come batting practice is not you know, going still? And I remember him looking at me, and I'll never forget. He goes, he goes, who the heck are you? And I told him my name. I said, Fernando Cortez. He goes, well, where the heck did he get you from? And I said, well, I came in the J.P. Howell trade. And he just looks around, he shakes his head, and he goes, well, heck, they must have needed some pitching. <laughs> and, then he just, and he just kept on throwing. <laughs> and I just kept on hitting. So after that, um, him and I came pretty close in, in 07, and we did a lot of work together during, uh, during Big League Camp. And, uh, you know, cool guy. Yeah. Well, so you went to the White Sox then uh, in 2008. We're back to now. Uh, mm-hmm. play, played for the Charlotte Knights in 2008. I lived in Charlotte for a couple of years. I love Charlotte. So you were down there in Fort Mill, South Carolina, obviously. But they've since opened that brand-new ballpark that they've been talking about opening for like 10 years. They finally opened it in downtown Charlotte. Have you seen the pictures of that yet, by the way? I've seen the pictures of it. Um, and they call that Uptown, right, over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right, Uptown. Yep. Okay, yeah. Because where I'm from, we call that Downtown. Right. But, uh, yeah, Uptown, I heard that they were going to build it, and um, I saw some pictures of it. It looks pretty cool. Um, as you know, you said you've, you've been to the other stadium where you've been at uh, in Fort Mill, South Carolina. <laughs> um, night and day, obviously, just by the pictures and, um, you know, what the old stadium was. So that would have been pretty cool to have an opportunity to play at that new stadium. Yeah, I think them and Billy Joel are the only two that say Uptown. So, but yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, probably. Uptown Girl, right? Remember that song? Yeah, back right. Yep, uh, I remember it. So how did you like Charlotte, by the way? Did you have fun there? Yeah, I had fun there. Um, a lot of these places that I got to play at, um, like I said before, I like to fish. So I always had an opportunity to go uh, fishing in different states, different cities. 
um, you know, to relax and clear my mind. Uh, but the fans um, and everywhere that I played were always good. Uh, you know, some some stadiums and home fields that I had, uh, unfortunately, didn't get a lot of fans. But um, every city that I played in always had a great opportunity to to just see something new. Um, you know, growing up where I came from, I never really thought I would see as many places as I did. Um, so everything that I, you know, did and everywhere I traveled, I, um, you know, I would just look at that as an opportunity to, to, to soak it up, you know. I wonder if you sat down for one hour, if you could write down every single city you ever played a game in, in the minor leagues. you think you could? Like 80%? I, I, I'd say I'd get pretty close to knowing all of them. Um, I have a pretty good memory, and uh, there's certain things that I won't allow myself to forget. I can tell you, you know, certain at bats and certain, you know, players, and may not, maybe I've never met their name, but I can tell you what pitches they had, or um, you know, what city it looked like, or um, you know, if you told me about a city and I've been there before, I can say, oh, we went down that road, and you remember if you hang a left, there's a, you know, a burger house over there, and you know, things like that. So. Um, I think I should, I, I'd give myself about 80%. <laughs> so you went to, that's, I'm kind of the same way with the, the memorable stuff. Uh, so mm-hmm. you, you went back to the Rays then in 09. You mentioned that earlier with uh, Montgomery where you met Matt Fields, obviously. Then you bounced around in the Indy Leagues in 2010, 2011, and you retired. And I'm pretty sure the answer to this question is going to be yes. But did you feel pretty comfortable walking away at that point? Um, yes. Yes and no. Um, Yes, because um, just kind of the way my career was going at the time um, and the opportunities that were not there as, as opposed to the way they used to be. Um, you know, I could have been one of those guys that, you know, fought and fought and fought and, and tried to get back to the big leagues. Um, but financially, being an, in, being an independent ball, um, you know, and, and playing with a lot of great players and a lot of great players doing a lot of great things, and you could still see them, you know, being – stuck in independent ball um i just felt you know my body um and everything that i've went through and you know everything that i've I've done in my career um i was very content with um now there was other times where i doubted because i said to myself well i can still play this game um, and and i feel like i could still play it at a high level um but when i decided i didn't want to play i had a piece about it um, so I decided at that time if I was very if I had that peace about it, um, then it meant it was okay for me to go. What'd you do you right know? away? Was it pretty Was it pretty tough that first year or two? What were you doing? Oh man, that first year when I first when I first stopped playing, I, it was pretty much a, a sabbatical. I, I I just separated myself from everything, and um, you know I still would go down to my old high school and um, do some lessons here and there. Uh, help some uh, the high school kids out uh, a little bit with their hitting. Um, but I took time off. Um, you know, I, I didn't feel good about it at times because I felt like I wasn't really doing anything with my life. Um, but I told myself and convinced myself that I needed just a little bit of a break um, to to put myself in a position to, to refocus on, on what I wanted to start doing with my life um, other than baseball. I, didn't, I never wanted to be, and you hear about those guys who, play baseball and that's all they've done their whole life i played baseball from you know since i was five years old to the age of 30 so you know 25 years of baseball um signed when i was 19 so from 19 to 30 i'm a professional baseball player and now you know i'm not a professional baseball player so i didn't want that to um i never wanted to be one of those guys that 
uh, my identity rested in that. Um, so, you know, at times I struggled with it, um, but I surrounded myself with good people, good friends. Um, and then when I finally decided what I wanted to do, it's kind of when I went full throttle. Um, but I did take a little bit of a break there and absolutely did nothing. I went down to the beach, um, would go run, you know, go play some flag football here and there, stay in, you know, best shape. I started boxing a little bit, um, you know, keep myself busy. But uh, for for a time being, I gave myself a break from the game itself. Any chance that you'd ever, uh, you know, go back in the minor leagues as a coach or anything, or are you done with that lifestyle? Um, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, right now, I don't, I don't know if I would, uh, simply because I don't know if my heart is there. Uh, doesn't mean that in a year, a couple years, uh, you know, my heart would change. Uh, but as of now, you know, when, when I have friends that want me to go travel and go, you know, play in a different tournament or, you know, hey, would you come to this football tournament with us? A lot of times I don't want to travel just because I've traveled so much. Um, and just like you said, I am done with that lifestyle. Um, but I don't know if, you know, that won't change. So I, I can't give you a definitive answer if, if I would never. Um, maybe I would still be open to it. Uh, as of now, I'm very content with not doing it. When you look back uh, to your times in the Royals organization, uh, what do you remember most about, you know, being with, with Casey in Omaha? I, well, I remember the travel in Omaha was very long. <laughs> um, I remember we always connected in Dallas, Fort Worth. Didn't matter if we were one state away, we would go backwards, get in <laughs> Dallas, and sleep sleep on the floor for two hours in our suits. Um, but I just remember about you know everyone else that I was with was experiencing the same thing that I was experiencing. Um, you know, Jersh, and you had Angel Barroa and Costa, and, you know, Mitch Meyer of and you know Matt Tupman and. I had a, a really good group of friends uh, that I played with there and, um, you know, the travel and all that stuff, you know, the friendships that I made, the relationships that I made, uh, the baseball that I got to play and the opportunity that I have always trumps all of that. Um, so I had a great time in Kansas City, but they treated me great. Um, all the coaches, all the staff, um, you know, from the big leagues on, um, you know, AAA, the whole AAA staff and, um, you know, it's probably you know, one of my favorite organizations to play for. Um, you know, Coughlin Stadium, just the, just the whole atmosphere, everything that I did there in, in the year and a half, plus two years I was with the organization. Um, I got, you know, tons of memories just that short amount of time. Pretty cool that Jersh finally made the big leagues this year, huh? Yeah, he's a very deserving man. Um, you know, like I said, he, he did that travel, he endured it for a very long time. Um, you know, you got a lot of good players from AAA to the big leagues. Obviously, he was always there in big league camp. Um, so it's pretty cool to see uh, him in the big leagues and him getting that opportunity as a, as a coach. Um, and I read that story. Uh, was it in Sports Illustrated? or? Uh, oh, the ESPN, I think it was, yeah. It was ESPN? Okay, yeah, ESPN story. I read that story. and um, I remember just reading it and just being absolutely happy for a guy like that, for him to get that opportunity. Um you know, whether it's as a player, as a coach, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. If you're in the big leagues, you're in the big leagues. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that you want to see uh, get there and you're pulling for him. He was definitely one that I was pulling for. And he's got his first bobblehead with Omaha next week. That's kind of cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a big bobblehead. Did you ever get one of those, by the way, when you, in your, for your minor league days or not? No. Nah, they never nah. made one? That sucks. Yeah, not for me. I have, uh, I have a couple friends that have them. Uh, I never got one, but. 
Yeah, those are pretty cool because I collect bobbleheads too. Yeah, really, because I got like I, I do all the royals once. I'm kind of a nerd. I have like ninety. It really impresses the girls that come over here. Not. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so have you? Last... I remember. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no you, go ahead. No, you go. Here, tell me another story. So I was just going to tell you that uh, one of my bobbleheads I have is a Chipper Jones one from Macon. Um, I remember trading uh, an autographed bat. It was a giveaway, Chipper Jones bobblehead giveaway, um, in Macon, Georgia, and. Nobody would give them up, and I couldn't get one. Obviously, Chipper is my favorite player, so I traded an autographed bat to a kid. I said, if you give me that ball, I'll autograph the bat and give it to you. So <laughs> it's, it's sitting on my tool bench right now. Yeah, there's there's one that, there's a giveaway for Salvador Perez, our catcher. He's got one uh, next week uh, from the Burlington and the Appy League, the rookie league. He's got one coming out. There's only 500. I've, I've offered 100 bucks, but nobody will go there and get one, so I'm going to have to end up paying probably like 200 bucks to get one, which I'm not excited about. But Hey, if, if that's your addiction. <laughs> <laughs> You got to feed it, right? Yeah. So, uh, so last two questions then. So, have you, have you ever been back to Kansas City then since you left? No, I have not. I have not been uh, back to Kansas City uh, since I left. Um, you know, once I left that organization, I went back to uh, you know was with the White Sox and then um, went to Tampa, then back to the White Sox. So, never had an opportunity to go back there. And you've never seen Omaha or the new stadium then either, huh? Nope, and I've heard about that one too. Yeah, I was there last yeah. night. Nice park. Nice park. Um, well, in summary, then, first of all, thanks for all your time. It's been a great interview. But in summary, then, you know, what would you like to say to Royals fans listening right now? Well, I'd like to say, um, first and foremost, thanks, uh, you know, for all the support that you gave myself and the, and the teams that I was on uh, when I played 06 and 07. Um, great fans. Keep it up. Um, you guys got a, a good team coming up. Um, some players that I play with um, and some players uh, that I played against, um, great stadium and you know you guys will get back to to the winning ways and you know i still follow you guys and um you know i'll always have a, a special um, place in my heart for the kansas city and the fans and uh, you know even omaha so oh, yeah. thanks for the time it's been 29 years since we made the playoffs it'd be nice to finally break that this year <laughs> yeah but you gotta understand baseball is a tough game and you're lucky that you're not a cubs fan yeah, right. There you go. That's the way to look right. at it. Right. You got to put it into perspective. <laughs> well, thanks so much for all your time. It's been it's been a blast talking to you. And stay in touch. And and thank you for you know on behalf of Royals Nation for all that you gave to the organization. And you know we have some memories of you. And that's it's, you know it's it's cool that you were part of this organization. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. And thanks for having me on.